Welcome to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greenwood, Mississippi. We are a community of Christians that exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ and influence the Delta for the glory of God. More information about Westminster can be found at www.wpcgreenwood.org. All right, those who are going to Little Worship can be dismissed at this time. Uh, and if you're staying in here, I invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, or it's there in your bulletins as well. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 26. Uh, continuing our time in Luke this morning. Uh, so this week, a, a pastor in town asked me if we were going to do anything special for uh, Reformation Sunday. Uh, and I said, um, well, not really. I mean, we're just going to preach the gospel of just the pure gospel of grace. Um, which I, I suppose that's what the Reformation was really all about, right? It's, you know, the church had kind of lost its way um, and uh, calling things gospel that are not the gospel. Uh, and people thought that they could kind of work their way into heaven or pay their way into heaven. And this, um, this German monk named Martin Luther came and said, that, that doesn't seem to be what the Bible says. And, and so... Um, he launched this thing, which we call in history the Reformation. And as a result of that, uh, we're, we're encouraged to keep going back because we're so prone to make things not the gospel. And so we got to go back to what the gospel uh, really is. And so before we dive into our passage, just for context, um, let's go back just for, uh, just for a second. Um, you know, for centuries, uh, science has... Um, has made great strides uh, or have tried to answer the bigger questions of life. Um, the questions like, how are we here and why are we here? You know, those big meta questions. And science has, has made some really good progress in identifying what things are like. That is a cell and that is an atom and that is a particle. Um, but that's been its limit. Uh, science has only been able to tell us what is. It's, it's been incapable of answering the how or the why. Um, actually, if anything, science has progressed uh, and, and discovered, as they've discovered, the thousands of finely tuned things that are all required, all have to be present at the same time in the exact quantities to make life happen. Um, it, it's, it's helped reveal more and more just how utterly miraculous our universe is and our lives are. Uh, the astronomer and planetary physicist Robert Jastrow put it this way. He said, astronomers now find that they have painted themselves into a corner because they have proven by their own methods that the world began abruptly in an act of creation to which you can trace the seeds of every star, every planet, and every living thing in the cosmos and on the earth. And they have found that all of this happened as a product of forces they cannot hope to discover. And then he wrote, At the moment it seems as though science will never be able to raise the curtain on the mystery of creation. For the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He says he has scaled the mountains of ignorance, and he is about to conquer the highest peak. And as he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. And what, what this astronomer slash planetary physicist means is, is this. Is as you read the Bible, you know that the Bible tells us that in the beginning, there was God, right? And, and like, but before there was time or there was space, before there was anything, 
God, God was there, and that's a fun question to try to answer your, your kids, right? Well, what happened? How did God become God? He's just always been. That's what makes him God. And, and God spoke, we're told, and, and created everything out of nothing. And he created man after his own image, male and female. And he gave man the work of cultivating this world and, and, and filling the earth. And, and we were told that man worked and worshipped in the presence of God, and we had everything we needed, everything we ever longed for. Things were right, but something happened. Uh, man, we, we didn't like God's plan. We kind of want to be our own God, and, and so we wondered if God knew best, and as you find in Genesis, Adam and Eve rebelled against God, and as a result of that rebellion, their relationship with God was broken, and for the first time, they found themselves lacking. They found themselves in need, and ever since then, we've been in a world that's plagued by the fall. Uh, and like, you don't have to have a PhD in theology to look at our world and see the misery and the need that's come from the fallout of our sin. You know, from what's happening in Sudan uh, right now, uh, to, to Afghanistan, uh, to the you know, cancer cells and viruses that are trying to kill us. Uh, even down to those little briars and brambles that, that make our jobs and finances and relationships and marriages and parenting and just growing up so difficult. Like, I mean, we, we could sit here and probably talk for hours and hours about how the fall has ravaged the whole lot of us, every one of us. And, and, and though, you know, we can try to numb the pain with distractions and, and hobbies like, if we're honest, like, we're all viscerally aware of our, our need and our longing for things to be made right. You know, we're, we're well aware of our need for healing. And, and what's amazing in Scripture is that as soon as the fall happened, we're told that God began meeting the needs of his needy people. That's the kind of God we have. That he began his rescue mission of restoring what was lost and, and healing that which was broken by his grace and we're told that in the fullness of time like the perfect time because of God's great love for you that the God who exists outside of time and space entered in to time and space in the God man Jesus and Jesus came with a really scandalous message and mission as Josh reminded us a few weeks ago that that he came proclaiming a new way of life, which he called the kingdom of God. And it was scandalous because God's kingdom doesn't work like our kingdoms do. Um, like, like you don't get into the kingdom by being richer or faster or stronger or smarter than anyone. Like Jesus, Jesus turns the tables on all of that. Um, of course, he's outside of our earth, so you would imagine a message that is just other, otherworldly. He says that the only thing that qualifies you or, or me like, is our need of God. <laughs> that the way of the kingdom is, the way into the kingdom is by faith in the one who came to restore you and to, to heal you. Um, and, and then he says, like, like, lest we become prideful in our faith, the Bible also says, oh, and by the way, even that faith, that, that ability that you have to believe, that too is a gift from God. Um, so it's all God. And, and so this new way of life is a life of following the Jesus way, following by faith. 
And so this morning, through this leper and this paralytic, what this way of faith looks like. Um, we're going to see that Jesus, or what Jesus came to do for every one of his people, uh, it, it's his mission uh, to meet our deepest needs. And so with all that said, let's dive into God's word, um, and then we'll pray. This is Luke chapter 5, 12 through 26. While Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more the report about Jesus went abroad. And great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. And, but, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with them to heal, was with Jesus to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, Jesus said, Man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts... He answered them, Why do you question in your hearts, which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, go home. And immediately the man rose up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. This is God's word. Let's pray real quick before we consider it. Uh, Father, I pray just humbly that that experience would be our experience, that as we hear the gospel message, we, we would say, We have heard extraordinary things from your word. Um, so, Lord, this morning, uh, may we... Uh, through Luke's gospel, take this opportunity to sit at Jesus' feet. Uh, may we learn from him through your spirit. Amen. Well, there's so much going on in this passage uh, this morning, but just three, three things in what time we have. Uh, Jesus reveals our need. He reveals it. Uh, Jesus meets our need. And then a response, kind of a so what. So first, Jesus, he reveals our need. You know, in verse 12, a man full of leprosy, come, he comes, it runs in, falls at Jesus' feet. And in faith, he cried out, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. You know, leprosy uh, was about the worst thing you could get in the ancient world. Because it, was a, you know, it is a neurological disorder that numbs your body to all sensitivity to pain. And so, you know, you don't feel that fire that's burning you. You don't feel the, thing, the pains that you usually feel. And so it, makes you, it maims you, leads to injuries and deformities. And, 
And ultimately, it can even lead to death. And plus, since there wasn't really a cure for leprosy in the ancient world, and the jury was still out as to how contagious it was, um, their only defense was, was what you do when you don't know what else to do. Uh, quarantine, right? Um, but not just for two weeks or until you test positive or test negative. Um, no, they, they quarantined for life uh, in leper colonies, which meant, if you can imagine this, waking up every morning and everybody that you see around you is in the process of dying. Very depressing. Uh, you are surrounded by death constantly. Um, and, and so they were seen as socially unacceptable, ceremonially unclean, which means not only had this man lost his, his health, but he'd lost his family, he'd lost his friends, he'd lost his home, he'd lost his livelihood. Like, he wasn't even allowed to go to the temple to worship God. So, I mean, this is the picture of a forsaken, untouchable, lonely man. Actually, the Jewish historian Josephus said that uh, lepers were treated as if they were, in effect, dead men. So, just you're just dead. I mean, like... Just for a second, can you try to put yourself in this man's headspace? Can, can, you, can you go there to this man's level of, of desperate? Okay, then in verse 18, we meet another man. A man who was paralyzed, and, but, but his friends heard Jesus was in town. And, and so they believed Jesus could heal their friend. And in a tremendous act of faith, they, they went to this, their friend's house, grabbed the guy's bed and took him to Jesus, but there was just one problem. When they got there, there was no way for them to get in, especially carrying a bed. And, and so they decided that if they couldn't get to Jesus through the door, then they were going to get to Jesus through the roof. Can you imagine that, if that happened today? Um, they climbed up the external stairs that were common in the ancient world, external stairs, and started, we're told in another gospel account, that they started tearing up the roof, like ripping away the roofing tiles. Uh, I, mean, I don't know if you can imagine, like, you're in, you're in the house of Jesus hearing him teach, and, like, people are tearing down the house trying to get in. They tore up the roofing tiles, and they lowered their friend down to the feet of Jesus. And just a real quick aside, like, what a, a beautiful and, and vivid picture of evangelism, or really even friendship. You know, I mean, they knew that they couldn't save their friend, but they knew one who could. And, and so they did what they could to, to get their friend to Jesus. I, I, and look, yes, we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone. Uh, but real faith acts. You know, real faith compels us to, to, to act and to do things. And so what people need more than anything else is for someone to bring them to Jesus. You know, for God to use you to bring someone or bring a friend to Jesus. And, and, and like not giving up after the first obstacle. And we say, well, I tried. You know, I tried to talk about Jesus, but, you know, things happen and now it's awkward. Um, no, like persistence. You know, these, these friends knew that like, Jesus was the only game in town. And so for them not to bring their friend to Jesus was unloving as a friend. You know, maybe some of you can track your conversion, uh, um, your conversion back to God using someone, kind of like these men, who, who or these friends who would not give up, who who, who were persistent, and, and they may have annoyed you in the moment, wore you out, 
But, but now you're so thankful for them, and you include that person in your testimony of faith of who, the God, who God used. But this is a beautiful picture of evangelism, a beautiful picture of gospel friendship and, and not giving up on others. And that's some of the culture we want at Westminster, right, is we want to one another one another, and we get down in the trenches with one another. We don't give up on each other. Um, so the friends, they, they, they lowered their paralyzed friend uh, down into the house, hoping, you know, expecting Jesus to heal his body. And yet Jesus looked at the man laying on his bed in the middle of the room and said, man, your sins are forgiven. And, and this is, you know, speculating a bit, but, but I can imagine, as I hope that you can too, his friends still up on the roof, you know, they're, they're looking down at all this. Um, and, and they're looking down and they're hearing Jesus forgive his sins, wondering... <laughs> Wait, um, do you say anything about his body? Like, 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 what about his legs, Jesus? You know, uh, and, and this, is, this is huge. This is the takeaway on point number one. You know, it's so easy for us to focus on the physical. It's so easy for us to focus even on the emotional. The, the felt needs is what, what we would call it today. You know, we, we could pray things like, God, change my circumstances now. Lord, make my life better now. But if that was what Jesus' mission was all about, if it was only about that, meeting felt needs, then at Westminster, we need to start a capital campaign like today <laughs> to open a food bank. And, and we, we need to open up a clothing store to help people in need. And we need to open a free hospital to help people who are sick, who can't afford health care. Like that, if that's what Jesus is about, then we need to do that today. Our men's ministry, we need that par three course out on our property. Stat, don't we, men? Um, if it's all about the physical, then we need to figure out a way to build that Betty Jim Jim that everybody keeps talking about. And, and we need to really like start preaching the gospel of Plexus, Peloton, and Juice Plus. Because that's it. But, but here's where Jesus, he pulls back the curtain a little bit to, to reveal our deeper need. Like that, some of those things are needs, but he's saying there's a need that's greater than that. that. That yes, this man was paralyzed and he had significant needs, but what he needed more than healing and, and what we need more than a clean CT is forgiveness of sins. So y'all, here, here it is. Our, our deepest need is that we are born with a paralyzed heart. Um, that we're, we're stuck in our bed of shame and we can't shake the shame by ourselves. That we were born with a, a leprosy of the soul, which means we have sin, and we sin that makes us unclean, which makes us quarantined, separated from our Heavenly Father. And though we may look fine and dandy on the surface, it's all good. On the soul level, we are a living death. You know, Paul even said that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. He would go on to say in Romans 7, O wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? And so look, distract yourselves all you want, but Jesus reveals like this is our true need right here. But not only does he do that, Jesus also, he meets our need. You know, Jesus, second point, you know, Jesus could have just spoke and, and, and healed the leper, right? I mean, he'd spoken creation into being. He'd spoken everything into existence but, but what do we see Jesus doing here? And, and this is the heart of Jesus. He, 
he actually reached out his hand and touched the untouchable. I mean, he, he went there. Um, and he said, I will. I will clean you. Be clean. And y'all, you know, God has, has made humans, designed humans uh, to long for touch. You know, like, like literally when we experience a loving embrace, a hug, uh, our brain releases oxytocin. It's that, that's that warm, cuddly hormone that, that's, that we have. And, and there are all these studies that detail the benefits of healthy touch. You know, our dog, you all of y'all have dogs that understand? Our, our dog understands this. Our dog jumps up and tries to get in on, on the hug. It's like, dang, Stone. Um, so there are all these studies that talk about, the, you know, the benefits of, you know, healthy touch, uh, healthy human contact. But there are also studies that detail the detriment of lack of touch. You know, there, that it's actually possible to develop this condition called touch starvation. Um, I, I mean, this man hadn't been touched in years. And, and so not only did Jesus heal him, but it's, it's, more, than, it's more than that. But by touching him... Jesus was welcoming him back into community, welcoming him back into fellowship with God. That was, that was what his instructions about going and finding the priest and doing the sacrifice was for. That was so that he could go to the priest who was kind of seen as a public health inspector at the time, and the, and the priest could declare this man clean, which means he is back in the land of the living, back in community. You know, usually when something clean touches something unclean, the clean thing becomes unclean as well, right? It's like if you're eating a Skittle and the Skittle drops on the floor, right? Like unless you're one of those people who live on the wild side and do the five-second rule thing, right? Like for people like me, like that Skittle's dead to you. Like it's just, it's gone. It's unclean. Uh, but for the, first, for the first time in history, things went the other way. The cleanness of Jesus wasn't contaminated by this unclean leper. The cleanness of Jesus cleansed the leper. And y'all, on the cross, like, that, is what the exact, that is exactly what Jesus did for his people. That he took our, our unclean sins and he took our shame on himself so that he could give us his cleanness. Uh, so that we could know, as Paul tells us, that that there is therefore now no condemnation, like no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the gospel tells us that Jesus was cast out, just like this leper was removed, far removed. Jesus was cast out. And Jesus was separated from the Father in our place so that our touch-starved souls could be brought back into the embrace of our good, good Father. And not only is Jesus willing to cleanse, but he is able. So back to the paralytic man. Jesus, forgiving this man's sins, didn't sit well with the Pharisees and the scribes, as you can imagine. Because it'd be kind of like if, if somebody wronged you, like somebody sinned against you, and like, oh, it ticked you off. And um, you, you had a hard time forgiving them, but what if I stepped in and I forgave them for you? Like, that wouldn't work, would it? Um, you can't do that. Because like, you can't pass forgiveness for other people. The only way that you can forgive is that if you are the one to whom the sin was committed, and then you can, you can forgive that person, but who am I to go in and forgive somebody else for you? 
And so the Pharisees were right in this regard. I mean, they, they rightfully knew that all sins are ultimately sins against God, which means only God can ultimately forgive sins. Plus, you know, forgiving sins is kind of an unseen miracle. These Pharisees kind of came in as kind of fact-checkers to check this miracle worker out. And you can't fact-check, you know, Jesus forgiving this man's sins. And so they're calling baloney on Jesus. But, but this is where they were wrong. Jesus was and, and is God. He, he, this is the first time we see him claiming to be the Son of Man, which is a, you know, a tie to Daniel. The prophecy in Daniel talking about this one like the Son of Man who would come, the Messiah, the, the God in the flesh. And so he's saying Jesus is God, and he does have the power to forgive sins. And to make his point, I love this. He, he makes an argument from the lesser to greater. He says, uh, you think the bigger miracle, you think it would, it's harder for me to, to heal this paralyzed man than it is to forgive sins. He says, you think that, that healing this man is the bigger miracle. But to show you that I have authority to do things that are unseen, Jesus looked at the man laying on the bed, and he said, rise, pick up your bed, go home. It's just like mic drop. And Jesus was saying, look, I can blow your mind by healing people. Like I can do all sorts of things. But that's not the greater miracle. The miracle of miracles is that I have come to meet your ultimate need. The miracle of miracles is that your sins, our sins, can be forgiven in Christ. And so can you imagine the scene? This man who's been paralyzed for no telling how long, he gets up out of the bed, he rolls his bed up, and he goes home. Imagine the response. I mean, what do you do with that? Well, that man arrived being lowered on a bed through the roof. And he left walking through the front door carrying the bed that was just carrying him. And in response, this is third point, in response to Jesus' work in his life, Luke tells us that he left glorifying God, that, that he left ascribing worth and, and value, worship to God. And then verse 26, and amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we, we have seen extraordinary things today. In other words, worship happened. You know, that's what it's all about. You know, kids doing catechism, like, why did God make you? It's for his own glory, right? Um, why did God save you? It's for his own glory. What, why, what is the response to God's grace in your life through saving you? It's a life lived for his glory. And, and that's why we come together and sing songs together. It's an opportunity to say, thank you. That's why we confess in worship. And if I was a younger preacher, I'd probably end it here and say something like, hey, they responded by glorifying God. And, and so let's respond by glorifying God. That's the point. Um, we just need to do better. Um, let's sing like the saved. And, and like talk about, like, where's the awe? Why, why, are we so, why are we like this? Why are we dead? But I've also learned that a heart response can't be forced, can it? A heart response really doesn't even need a preacher to tell you to do it. Doesn't need a cheerleader like Jesus didn't tell them to respond this way. Now what we see in the Gospels is that a gospel response just happens when people are captured by what Jesus has done for them. And so I want to end with this. 
um, do you know that your sins are forgiven? Like, I know we say it all the time, but like, do you know it? Are, are you plagued by guilt and shame? Um, maybe you feel like you don't measure up at times. Or, or maybe you um, think that you've got to fix yourself. You've got to clean yourself. Uh, maybe you're held hostage by something in your past. And you just can't, you can't get over it. Please hear me. And know that when Jesus says you are clean, like you're clean. Like it, 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 he's, not, he's not making that up. You are clean. Which means that voice of shame that you experience at times, um, that, that voice comes from a forked tongue and it's delivered with a hiss. That is not from Christ. That is not the reality. Um, if the Son has set you free, then you are free. And know this, that if you are in Christ, then Jesus looks at you in the eyes through his word like he did this man. And Jesus says to you, your sins are forgiven. Rise and walk in forgiveness. Westminster, that's it. I mean, that's some really good news. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that through this leper and through this paralyzed man, we see, we see the gospel, um, that you come and cleanse our sin. Uh, Lord, that you come and, and raise the dead, so to speak. Uh, Lord, may, may we believe it, and it, may your spirit cause a response in that uh, to remember like the joy of our salvation. Um, singing like the saved, all those things, uh, may they just be in response to you. So Lord, capture us with the gospel uh, that we are free, that we are saved uh, in Jesus. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Hi, Richard Owens here. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for listening to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Our prayer is that the Lord would use this message to encourage you in the gospel and that you would find Jesus to be more beautiful than you ever, ever imagined. If you'd like to find out more about who Jesus is or more about our church, I invite you to visit our website at wpcgreenwood.org. God bless.